0: Hello, everybody. It's great to see human beings in this place again. I'm so happy to be here and so privileged to be here, and I want to thank you for this opportunity. I want to thank the church for this opportunity and Pastor Tim Timothy for the opportunity. And wow, thanks for making me feel loved, Pastor Stephen. Oh, I feel loved. <laughs> uh, my wife, my family, and I have actually felt nothing but love for every nation, uh, from every nation as well, since we got here. Uh, real quick, just a thought, and this is not part of the message today, but as we were, um, as we were doing the opening here, uh, two images kind of popped into my head, and I want to share them with you, and hopefully they bless you. As Susanna was talking about your cup being filled up and then emptied and filled up and emptied, I want to share a vision that was shared with my wife and I not long ago, and it was of, uh, you know, sometimes we have our cup, and we, oh, here, here comes a new microphone, yay. Uh, so we were—we we had this image given to us of a cup, and you know how sometimes you fill up your cup, and then you run over and you pour it into somebody else. Could you, could you try again? Try again. Try again. I'm trying again. Oh, it's beautiful. Fantastic. Thank you, tech team. Yes. I also heard that Facebook was having difficulty, and my first thought was that's probably good for us, right? Anyways, so you get your cup and you fill it up and you run over and you pour it into somebody else and you keep repeating this and you empty yourself and fill yourself and empty yourself. And this person shared a picture of, uh, sometimes when you go to a wedding and they have that pyramid of wine glasses, right? And then they open up the bottle of champagne or whatever and they pour it into the top glass. And as it fills the top glass, it fills all the glasses underneath it from the overflow. And they said, be like that with Christ. Just stay, stay there under Christ, in the flow. And, and from that overflow, from that filling, it will just naturally fill everyone around you. And I thought that was a beautiful image I wanted to share. The other thing that struck me as we were worshiping, some of the songs talked about Christ, um, you know, especially the first song, King of Kings, Christ going to the cross, Christ stepping down from glory into the creation that he had made. And it reminded me of, of the fact that Jesus knew what was coming. And yet he still marched towards cavalry. calvary. Sorry, not cavalry. Calvary. Jesus knew there was going to be suffering, and yet he moved towards that. And as we look at our passage in Acts today, Paul kind of does the same thing. In fact, New Testament scholars will tell you that Luke wrote Acts... To try to establish Paul's credentials, to give him some credibility. And so it mirrors Jesus's life quite a bit. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three young Jewish men who were during the Babylonian captivity. And I believe it was King Nebuchadnezzar passed a law saying, you must worship me. You must pray to me. And these three men said, we're not going to do that. And Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't Worship me, I'll throw you into the furnace. And they said, we believe that our God can save us from the furnace. And here's my three favorite words. But if not, still we won't worship you. We believe God can save us, but if not, we're still gonna follow God. And we see that in Christ marching towards the cross. We see that in Paul here in our passage today. And I hope that by the end of this, you guys see that in your life as well. The ability in the hope that God gives you to march towards the mission that God has for you. Return to Jerusalem. So, Paul is on mission. And this is not the big mission. The big mission for Paul is one day he's going to speak to kings, he's going to go to Caesar's court. Right? This is kind of a side mission. Yesterday at uh, Rimbayu, I, I brought up the idea of video games. And in, sorry for all of us older people, but in video games, you have the main quest, but then there's also side quests. And him going to Jerusalem is sort of a side quest. It's actually for a couple of reasons. One, to bring an offering that he had risen, uh, raised for the church in Jerusalem. But also, we can see uh, in chapter 20, I believe verse 22, Paul says, I was compelled or constrained by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit has sent Paul to Jerusalem. And that's important. When we talk about missions and being sent by God, it's important that we're sent by the Holy Spirit. John Piper, who's a famous pastor and author, said, when it comes to missions, you have three choices, to go, to send, or to disobey. Now, I know none of us wanna disobey, right? That's a bad place to be. But I wanna disagree with John Piper and say, actually, in missions, you have two options, to go or to disobey. We are all called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, right? The Great Commission. Go make, we teach that class here at Every Nation. So by the end of today, I hope that you guys are all ready to go, that God is going to be able to send you when we look at missions, point number one I want to bring up with you guys is that missions begins and ends with a word from God. And I just mentioned that in Acts 20, and that's what Pastor Timothy talked about last week, the Holy Spirit constrained Paul to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit sent Paul. When we talk about missions and sending, it starts with a word of prophecy, it begins and ends with a word of prophecy. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Acts 21. We're going to look at 21 to 23. It's a big set of text. We look at verse 4. We can already see another word of prophecy here. And through the Spirit, they, this is Paul's friends, were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Wait a second. I thought the Holy Spirit just told Paul to go to Jerusalem. Well, in the context of this, if you read this passage together, this is Paul being sent by the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit tells his friends Paul is going to suffer. In fact, one chapter earlier, Paul says, I've been told by the Holy Spirit that every city I enter into, I will be met with imprisonment and hardship. Paul knows what's coming. He knows it's going to be hard. His friends have been told by the Holy Spirit that it's going to be hard. And they don't want Paul to suffer, so they say no, we don't want you to go. But this is a word of prophecy. Sometimes God uses our friends. Uh, in verse 9, we see Philip, who's one of the early elders of the church. He had four unmarried daughters who were known for their prophetic gifting. Now, the word there, unmarried, is, is virgin. It's uh, parthenos in Greek, if I'm not mistaken. And so I don't know how old these girls are. They could be fifty for all I know, but chances are if there's four of them and they're unmarried virgins, they're young. So I want us to think about that at our church, at every nation. We don't have teens here today or or kids ministry here today, but but think of, of Pastor Jason, Pastor Agape, and the work that they're doing. Can we build and cultivate a place where our kids are known for their prophetic gifting? Joel 2.28, which is parroted in Acts 2.17, right? And in those last days, I will pour out my spirit on them and their sons and their daughters will prophesy. Their young men will receive visions and their old men will dream dreams. Our sons and daughters prophesying, how powerful is that? Verse 11, we can see Agabus. Agabus receives a vision. Sometimes when God speaks to us, he gives us a picture or a vision, like the wine glasses I talked about earlier. Agabus comes up to Paul and says, this is what's going to happen to you. And he takes off his belt and he binds Paul's hands and feet. He said, you're going to be bound when you go to Jerusalem. Imprisoned. Beaten. Paul understands these things and yet he still marches towards Jerusalem because that's his mission. Here's the big mission for Paul. This is, remember, Jerusalem is a side quest. The big mission for Paul was given to him by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. And Paul repeats this story in chapter 22, verses 6 and beyond, where he gives his testimony about Jesus meeting him on the road. Sometimes Jesus actually shows up and will speak to you. There's all kinds of testimonies of him walking into people's jail cells or delivering them. From, it, it, it can happen. I know people that it's happened to. I'm waiting for it to happen to me, right? Although I'd probably be terrified. <laughs> but God can actually speak to you audibly. We can see what Paul heard from Jesus in chapter 22, verse 21, right at the end of that Damascus road. Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Go, make disciples of all nations, right? And then in verse 11 of chapter 23, the last verse that we're looking at in today's passage, Jesus says to Paul, take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome this is God sending him back on the main quest. Now, this last time in ch- uh, chapter 23, verse 11, that could have been Paul hearing you know, fire and clouds descending from the, the sky and the, the prison where Paul was being held. Or I, I actually think in context of this and what's going on, this is the Holy Spirit coming alongside Paul who had just been beaten within an inch of his life and saying, hang in there, Paul. We only have a few more miles to go. Stay strong. You're doing good. I'm proud of you. I think, generally for us, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it's that still soft voice in our hearts, right? This is all to say what is God saying to you and how is God speaking to you? And do you have people in your life that are hearing from God on your behalf. That word prophecy sometimes can scare us. I'm not Jim LaFoon, I can't get up here and give, thus saith the Lord. But prophecy can also be just hearing from God, that still soft voice, images, pictures, a verse that pops out to you, like I hope many of these verses pop up to you today. Are we hearing from God? And is God sending us? Um, When we read the book of Acts, we see a group of people who are not working for Christ. They're walking with Christ. They're not working for God, they're walking with God. They're hearing from him, being guided and directed by him, and that's what we need to do if we're gonna be on mission for God. Um, I wanna share a vision that was shared with us, my wife and I, and this is why we're involved in education, international education. We were at a church in Korea called Jubilee Church, And a guest pastor, ironically, maybe you guys will get something out of this, guest pastor shared a vision that he had had of a tree planted in the ground, and God reached down and grabbed that tree and ripped it out of the ground, roots and all. Painful for the tree. Stuck, turned the tree upside down and stuck the roots in heaven. And immediately the tree blossomed and began showering the earth with fruit, now, his interpretation of that dream was that there is a group of kids, of young people, of a generation of children. We call them third culture kids or multicultural kids who don't have roots here. But God can use them to bless the earth. I think of my daughter, which I didn't show my picture of my family, did I? Dang it. I'll get back to that maybe later. My daughter. Oh, it's right there. Oh, thank you for doing that. They're helping me out. Way to go, Tech team. So you can see my daughter on the left and the right. This is my daughter, that's my wife. Isn't she lovely? She's here to support me today. She grew up in Korea, yeah, you can cheer for her. She grew up in Korea, spent most of her life there. Dad is American, mom is Canadian, you can tell because she's smiling. She's nice, Canadians are nice. And now, this, I know this looks like we're in Oklahoma with a. Wind comes sweeping down the plane and the waving wheat. No. This is actually in Malaysia. <clears throat> so, my daughter is now going to high school in Malaysia. Dad's American, mom's Canadian, grandparents from Mexico. She grew up in Korea. She's going to high school in Malaysia. Where is home for her? Where are her roots? Talk about a confusing situation. And yet, God can use that to bless the whole world. All right, All right we can go back to the next slide. Okay. I wanna share with you uh, uh, something that Bono, you guys know the band U2? Yes, a couple people. It's mostly people my age or older. (laughs) Sorry, you young guys. U2 is a, a very famous band and they have a lead singer named Bono. And he was speaking at a presidential prayer breakfast. And at this presidential prayer breakfast, he said, a friend said to me, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Get involved in what God's doing because it's already blessed. Stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Get involved in what God's doing because it's already blessed. When we hear from God, when we are listening to God, we're gonna get involved in what he's doing and we know there's blessings there. But what do those blessings look like? It sometimes is difficult. Point number two, expect obstacles. When we look at missions, uh, there's some famous mission organizations in the world, IMB, International Mission Board is one of them. They say that there are several challenges common to modern missionaries, today's missionaries, and among them are sacrifices. Now, when we think of going on mission for God, and by the way, this doesn't mean going to the other side of the planet, right? Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Many of us, most of us, are called to be witnesses to our Jerusalem. But it's very different to go to your hometown versus just staying in your hometown, right? Live sent. We think of sacrifice, we think of money or time. But when we look at Paul's life, it was actually friends. The end of chapter 20, he's weeping and crying and praying with his friends who don't want to see him go. And then in 21, chapter 21, at the beginning, his friends are saying, Paul, you're going to get hurt. We don't want to see you go. Sometimes when you get sent on missions, it can cause friction in your relationships. You have to say goodbye to people sometimes. And it's not always on the best circumstances. Worldview clash is a big one, too. When you decide to follow Christ, you are going to view the world differently. And I'm not talking about worldview from a philosophical standpoint. I'm talking about the culture, the lens of culture by which you view the world. Those things aren't going to be important to you that were important to you before. You're going to pursue different things. When we look at foreign context, or I should say this with Paul on worldview, Paul, in, you see this clearly in uh, twenty-one verses. I have it in my notes here. Yeah, verse 20, uh, twenty-one, verse seventeen to twenty-six. This is when he first encounters James, right? And James says, "Dude, you're, you're preaching to the Gentiles. What are you? You're causing trouble. What are you doing? Knock it off. Can you just just keep it on the on the down low, please?" We got these guys who took a vow. Pay for them to take their vow. We'll shave their heads. We'll tell the Gentiles, stop eating meat, sacrifice to idols, put a couple rules in place, but come on, like stop causing problems. And this is his brother in Christ, James. But Paul has that vision. And that vision is gonna change the way he sees the world. When we think of our religion, how much of our religion is actually just our culture? There's a, another pastor, author, named Greg Boyd, who talked about the idea of uh, archery target. And in the center of that, the bullseye, is something called dogma. The non-negotiables of our faith. Christ, the Son of God, Jesus crucified, salvation by faith, the resurrection. Things that if you disagree with those, we might have to discuss whether or not you're Christian. Outside of that is doctrine. Serious things, Right? How old are you when you get baptized? Uh, What role should women play in the church? I mean, they're serious conversations, but they're not about salvation. We can discuss those things as brothers and sisters. And outside of that is opinion. Who cares about your opinion, right? So when we look at our own worldview, we try to cram everything down into that bullseye. We try to make that bullseye bigger. So worldview, sometimes your worldview can clash. Foreign context, By the way, when am I done time-wise? I thought there was a timer. 45? Just keep going, he says. All right, we'll be here till three. No, we won't, don't worry. I was raised Lutheran, and I know I have to get out of church by noon so you can get home for the football kickoff. right, okay. When we look at uh, foreign context, oftentimes you find yourself a stranger in your own land. We see this with Paul very clearly in this passage. Paul is an outsider in his own community where he, where he went to school in Jerusalem. He's treated like an outcast. And I wanna say something about this idea of foreign context. Uh, we think it's about people who go to the other side of the world, the ends of the earth. We think of people who go to the ends of the earth, people who are called far away. We think of that as the foreign context. But I'm gonna let you in on a secret when it comes to missions. Me, the Angmo, I took the easy road. Of those, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the ends of the earth is the easy one. I know that I'm a foreigner. There are no expectations that you guys place on me. I drive a 2010 Myvi, I don't care what you think, right? I don't have to have a BMW. I don't have to have a nice house. I don't have to send my kids to the right tuition center. There's no, I don't have to keep up with the, well, we say keep up with the Joneses. I don't know what you say in Malaysia. Keep up with the limbs, I don't know, right? There's no pressure for me. The people who face that pressure are those who are called to their Jerusalem. Paul does that here. Yesterday I pointed out Pastor Stephen, he's a KL boy. Represent, right? Every day he's surrounded by people who are in that race, the rat race. And it's very difficult to be in the world, but not of the world, when it is your world, right? It's very difficult to be in the world but not of the world when it is your world. And so that foreign context, that worldview can be challenging, can be challenging. There are many other challenges you face as missionaries but these are ones that we see clearly with Paul. Um, Bottom line is when God sends you, you go. Uh, there's a couple passages in, in the Bible, Matthew 9, 36, and Luke 10:2. They say the same thing, right? This is Paul, uh, Jesus, excuse me, speaking, and he says, uh, the fields are ready for harvest, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest would send forth workers. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth workers. This is one of my wife's favorite verses. The word there for send, send forth, is the Greek word ekbalo, which literally means to hurl. Pray that God would chuck people into the mission field. If you're a young person here, pray that God would yeet people into the mission field. You don't have much of a choice in it. This isn't a negotiation. When God sends you, you get sent. And it can mean challenges. It can mean difficulties. But look at Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Look at Paul. Even though his friends were begging him, don't go to Jerusalem. He knew his mission, and he went. And how do we know to do that? Well, the third thing I want you to come away with is the idea of remembering your citizenship. And we see this beautifully, beautifully in this passage in Acts, beginning in chapter 21, verse 27. Verse 27 and chapter 21 Paul is speaking to the Jews, and the Jews get upset at him, presumably because he's gone to the Gentiles. And the Jews try to kill him, beat him within an inch of his life. He's so beat up, the Roman soldiers have to rescue him, and they have to carry him. He can't walk under his own power. And as they're bringing him into the barracks to protect him, Paul says to one of the Romans, Do you speak Greek? Paul's speaking Greek now. Remember, he grew up in Tarsus. He was born in Tarsus. And the Romans says, yes, I speak Greek. May I address the crowd? Sure. So then Paul stands up and shushes the crowd, which has got to be the Holy Spirit, because these people are trying to kill him, right? Ah! Oh, wait, he wants to say something. Go ahead, right? Paul then addresses the crowd in Hebrew, multilingual, right? And he says, this is my resume. This is my Jewish resume, and then he proceeds to tell them about Jesus and how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He shares the gospel with them. And then he mentions that Jesus sent him to the Gentiles and the Jews get mad and try to kill him again. So the Romans have to rescue him. And so when the Romans rescue you, that usually means they're going to beat you. And they try to. They go to torture Paul for information. Who are you? Why do they hate you? Yada, yada. And Paul says, is it lawful for you to beat a Roman citizen? you're a Roman citizen? By birth, yes. Now, watch what happens. Those same chief priests and council that were trying to kill Paul, now they are called to a meeting by the Romans who say, explain yourself. Why are you trying to kill one of our people? That's amazing. Then Paul takes his knowledge of Jewish doctrine and turns the Jews against each other. Says, I, it's because of the resurrection that I'm on trial. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees start fighting together. Paul, born in Tarsus, spoke Greek, spoke Hebrew, understood Jewish doctrine, was educated as, as a, a, one of the most educated Jews, was a Roman citizen. All of these things, it's like he was born for this moment. It's almost like he was created in Christ Jesus to do good works which were prepared in advance for him to do. You recognize that verse, Ephesians 2.10? You were created too for a purpose and you were empowered for that purpose too. When I look at a room of Malaysians, I see a group of people who are multicultural, multilingual. I see people who are that tree that God can use to bless the whole earth. And I think that's amazing. What is God calling you to? Now, Ben, What about our heavenly citizenship? You're absolutely right, right? We no longer live, but Christ lives in us, we're a new creation, we're seated already in the heavenlies. Our heavenly citizenship, I wrote down here power, but I need to skip that one, Uh, uh, where's my verse? Romans 8.11, right? Romans 8.11 says the same spirit that raised Christ now dwells in you. You have power, and we know that, we understand that. Not our power, but power from the Holy Spirit through us. God is unstoppable, as is the message title. And through that, we are more than conquerors. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The last one that I want to talk about is hope. Paul walked towards his mission. He walked into that fire because he had hope. How do I know that? Because he said so. In Romans 5, He says, we rejoice in tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And that hope that we have in Christ does not disappoint. This is not like, oh, I hope things work out. This is assurance that things are in God's hands. I wanna share a story with you about how hope impacted my life. We were in Korea and we had been there for many, many years. We had no intention of leaving. We had a ministry, we had family, we had friends, but God needed us to go. We weren't listening. La, 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 don't wanna hear you, God. God had to send us, he had to ekbalo us. If we had decided to go, it would've betrayed our friends. It would've made them felt like we had abandoned them, but God had to send us. And so one day I'm sitting in my work, in my office, and federal agents come in with their windbreakers on. And they ask to see all of our documents and they put all of our documents into boxes and then they arrest my wife and I and a couple other teachers and they put us in the back of a police wagon, bars on the windows, lights, and they take us off to be interrogated. I have an 11 year old daughter, that little girl that you saw there. She is left behind, crying, bawling. Is my daddy getting arrested. What's gonna happen to them? What's gonna happen to me? They interrogate me for seven hours. At the end of it, they put a piece of paper in front of me that's a confession that they typed up, said, we'll give you two options. You sign this confession of guilt now, and we'll give you 30 days to leave the country, or don't sign it, and we'll take you to the airport right now in handcuffs. And we saw a guy getting hauled away in handcuffs, bawling earlier. And I have a little girl waiting for me somewhere. So I signed it, right? Scary story, terrifying story. Not as bad as Paul, no shipwrecks or snake bites or stoned to death, right? But it was intense. But now let me share that story again through the lens of hope. Because you see, we were prayed up. We knew this might happen, we had seen it happen to another school, and so our community, a community of faith, was praying and hearing from God. So when those agents came walking in, Yes, officer. What do you need, officer? No problem. In fact, I showed them how to use Google Docs because they didn't know how to use Google Docs. When they put us in the back of that police wagon and hauled us away, we were at peace, a peace that passes all understanding. I think in John 14, maybe somewhere in John, peace I give you, not as the world gives I, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace. We were smiling, taking selfies. We weren't like, but it was still... We were, we were okay, and I knew my daughter was gonna be okay because we had friends, friends that were closer than a brother, friends that were closer than a sister who were taking care of her. And when we got there and they were interrogating me, yelling at me, raising their voice at me, cool as a cucumber. Answered all of their questions as honestly as I could. Oh, did that frustrate them? But in the end, that peace won. And they felt so bad, <laughs> they bought us McDonald's for dinner. And in the end, they did give us 30 days to leave the country and we were able to pull our uh, pension out of the country so we weren't homeless and jobless and penniless. And in the end, our friends didn't feel abandoned. They didn't feel betrayed. God did the sending. And it definitely felt like we were getting chucked. But there was hope in it. There was peace in it. So when you see Paul going towards his mission, understand There is hope, there is peace. When you hear God calling you to your mission, have that same hope, have that same peace. How do we do that? Remember, surround yourself with people who are gonna hear God on your behalf. Your life group, your one-to-one mentor, your pastors, your friends and family maybe. Be listening, be in the word, meditating on it, memorizing it, chewing on it. That word meditate on scripture is like a cow chewing on its cud, right? Chew on, chew on the word, hear from God. Understand that there will be challenges. There's gonna be difficulties when you decide to follow Christ. The battle belongs to the Lord, amen? But it's still a battle. It belongs to him. John 16, 33. in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, right? And lastly, remember whose you are. Remember that God made you. When you were in your mother's womb, he knew you before you were born, he appointed you a prophet to the nations. Psalm 139, you were knit together in your mother's womb. Ephesians 2.10, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which were prepared in advance for you to do. You are made for your mission. Hear what it is and walk forward in it with courage, with bravery, with hope. Remember that God is unstoppable and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let me pray for us. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for... I just want to thank you for you. I want to thank you for Paul. I want to thank you for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to thank you for every nation. I want to thank you for the community of believers. Therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, right? Thank you, God. And thank you for Christ. Thank you that we do not have a high priest that cannot empathize, but one who was tempted in every way as we were, and yet without sin. Thank you that we have a mission you've created us to do good works that you already know about and you've made us for that father thank you thank you that we can trust in you you are unstoppable in jesus name amen